you might have read the title of this episode and thought, how does this all connect to STEM? Friend, keep listening because this is a wonderful episode that every teacher needs to hear. Stepping into a new role like elementary STEM can be completely overwhelming. A lot of you, like me, come from a classroom of your own 25-plus students, and then you're in a role where you are teaching all the students in the school with little to no curriculum, all of these fancy tools, and you are just go, go, go all day. Well, the guest on my episode today completely understands that. Today, I am speaking with Jen Rafferty from The Empowered Educator. The way that she talks about mindset as a teacher, different types of stress, and setting up boundaries is so beautiful and encouraging. You definitely want to listen to the end and also take notes because she has wonderful explanations with all the topics that we are going to be talking about today that is really going to help with your overall well-being as a STEM teacher, a teacher in general, and really in life. Educator, author, and international public speaker, Jen Rafferty started as a middle school music teacher for 15 years in central New York. She is known for bringing her energy, humor, and expertise in her presentations while inspiring educators to stay connected to their why. Jen is a certified emotional intelligence practitioner and is currently pursuing her PhD in educational psychology. Since its inception, The Empowered Educator has reached teachers and school leaders all over the world. Jen has been featured in a variety of platforms and is also the host of the podcast, Take Notes with Jen Rafferty, which is rated in the top 3% of podcasts globally. Jen's insatiable curiosity continues to make The Empowered Educator programs relevant and reflective of the most up-to-date research in mindset, leadership, and cognitive neuroscience. She is committed to inspiring teachers and school leaders to discover their voice and maintain a healthy longevity throughout their careers. Welcome to the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, a show that'll help you with lesson ideas, systems, and actionable tips to apply to your classroom. I am your host, Naomi Meredith, a former classroom teacher turned current STEM teacher and coach. With over a decade of experience teaching and a master's degree in STEM leadership, I am here to coach you throughout the year to help you gain back more time to create innovative experiences for your students. Grab your earbuds and let's get started. Well, thank you, Jen, so much for being here today. I'm so glad that we connected. I feel like your background in education, I know you're going to explain this a bit more, but what your background is in education and teaching and what you're doing now really have a great pairing for our STEM teacher audience. And so if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and how your teaching experience led to where you are today, um, I'm really excited to hear more of your story. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to share it. So I began my career as a music teacher in central New York. And that was really the only thing that I thought I wanted to do my whole entire life. I felt it was really more like a calling than a choice for me to be in the classroom and specifically teach music. And a lot of that had to do with my experiences in the classroom and what I was really taught by my music teachers. And I wanted to share that with other people. And so I loved what I did. I was mostly a middle school choir teacher, seventh grade general music. I taught a little bit of high school modern bands. I created a whole modern band program. And we can get into how and why of that if you'd like to in a little bit. 
And then I, I wrote a book and was published in December of 2019 about being a, a music teacher. And, you know, a, a lot of teachers have read it who are not music teachers kind of just, you know, exchange the word STEM or art or, you know, science in there. And, it, and it's relevant for you, too. Um, and it was awesome because I was excited to share my work with new teachers. Um, I was planning on doing some book talks. And then, of course, in 2020, none of that happened. <laughs> and <laughs> we were all, you know, kind of forced to pivot in a really big way. And um, part of that transition for me personally was also I had decided to get a divorce from my husband. And the same weekend the world shut down was the same weekend that I had moved out of my house oh, with my wow. two kids who were five and seven at the time. So oh. it was an incredibly big weekend uh, for all of us. And there was some extra special sauce that we were kind of dealing with in, in my house as well. And and singing in and of itself became really dangerous, right? I mean, remember, mm -hmm. we didn't know anything about COVID and singing killed people. That's yeah. what we were told. And so the whole being of of what I – the whole identity, I guess, is a different way to say this. The whole identity I had created for myself around not just being a teacher but being a musician, being a wife, the way I was mothering my children, all of it changed that very same weekend. And so while there was a lot of crying and releasing and processing – it was also an incredible opportunity for, for me to really think about, well, what did I want to do in this world? What kind of impact do I want to make? And, and how can I do that maybe in a slightly different way? So lots of things happened in the next <laughs> few months after that. Um, but the, the highlights were, you know, I decided to take a semester off or what I thought would be a semester off from school to homeschool my own two children. I started my PhD in educational psychology. I became certified as emotional intelligence practitioner and really dove into the work of mindset myself because I was on my own healing journey and figuring out how I wanted to kind of proceed with my life. And uh, I decided that I wanted to do something a little bit different while still very much being involved in education. So I resigned from my teaching job in 2021 and started my business, which is Empowered Educator, which now I work with teachers and school leaders and focus on the social and emotional well-being of all of the adults in schools. And it's been wonderful to pivot in this way. I talk with teachers who are not just in the um, Encore classes that I, I used to before. I do that also, especially those people who know that I've worked with Encore classes kind of have me work with, with them also. Um, but now I really get to highlight and underscore the needs of the adults in these spaces so we can better show up for our kids and really make the impact that we say that we want to make. Oh, totally. I mean, that's a huge transition. I mean, you had a very, very big transition, a big monumental. I mean, even le leaving teaching alone is huge, COVID, and then all the things just happen at once for you. But I I mean, even for us uh, as the audience um, listening, coming in from the classroom into a STEM role is a big transition. So just transitions in general are a big deal, even for adults. We always think about for the students that a transition is hard for them. But then as adults, it's a lot of work as well. So um, that's really awesome that through your experiences, and you obviously love teaching, you still love education, but that's just brought you to where you are today. And it is important for all the adults in the building. We just give, give and give and give so much. And 
Um, it's just so hands-on with teaching. And so we just have to remember how we need to take a step back as well as adults and take care of ourselves, like you said, to make sure that we may, can make a greater impact on our students. So I love that um, it all linked together. And for high school and middle school, that's a lot. There's some teachers here who actually teach K-8. Can you imagine K-8, all the children? That's a big transition. <laughs> there is. Yes, it is for sure. So with the middle school, just a little side question, out of your middle school experience, uh, what is your favorite grade when it comes to six, seven, eight? Oh, I just love middle school. Six, seven, or to me, that whole age group is my jam. I mean, yeah. I I will tell you, when I first got into the classroom, that was my first job, middle school, general music. Seventh grade, general music was the gig. And mm-hmm. I had a choir also, but I had more sections of general music. And that class is not something that you were very well prepared for coming out of college. And the thing is, you know, I, I went through my undergrad and everyone was like, you're doing great, Jen. You're, you're natural. You're, you know, you're so good at this. You got this. And I had all of this beautiful confidence about what I was going to be able to do in my classroom. And when I got there, I ended up, I was really mad. I was so mad because I felt so unprepared and I didn't understand why. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I actually didn't know who my kids were because especially in middle school, these kids are going through profound changes and I didn't know anything about their development. So that was actually the catalyst for me getting really interested in cognitive neuroscience and and development of, of adolescent brains because I thought that if I understood where they were developmentally, I could be more responsive as their teacher and create programming that reflected where they were at instead of me coming at this new job, just like sharing the things that I thought that they needed to know. It was so backwards. And I think those conversations are happening now more and more. But, you know, back then it just wasn't what we were taught or told. So I've been really interested in brains and cognitive development my whole career. So when I started my PhD, it was kind of a a natural progression. And now my research is a little bit more official. Um, But I just love that age group. It is like the last best chance for these kids to really get on board with something that they're really excited about. They're creating their own identities. They are moving through physical changes, emotional changes, social changes, psychological changes. And it's silly, you know, and uh, I just I just loved everything about it. And if you can be a catalyst in your own schools for change to make sure that we can be responsive to these kids, uh, you know, the better everyone's experience is going to be. Oh, man, if you can teach middle school and you obviously loved it. You can teach anything. Middle school is not my thing. Oh my gosh. When I stepped, I taught in the classroom for six years before getting into STEM. So I taught second grade for uh, two years, third grade for four. And fifth grade to me was a big jump. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is is pretty hard. And fifth graders in the spring, I'm like, whoa, they're a whole other (laughs) animal. But I felt the same way like you. I I mean, I didn't go originally go to college to be a STEM teacher, and most of us haven't. So like you, oh, this is what we're going to do. And then coming into it, it's super overwhelming. It's not what you think. And then on top of that, you have the the lesson plans, getting to know your students, like you said. I mean, you had a ton of students. 
and then getting to know cognitively and developmentally a whole range of students. So middle school is its own beast. And like you said, forming their identities, but then even thinking about a little kindergartner, it's their first experience in school. And so how can you meet their needs? Like we don't pee our pants, but we do, we do in kindergarten. And then you have fifth graders who are growing and changing as well. So it's a huge jump and it's super overwhelming. So when you're stepping into a new role like this, what are some ways that you think that we could prevent overwhelm? Um, Especially it's just so much during the day. It's just a lot. Do you have any strategies for that? Yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And and I think there is a couple of things here. I think the the first piece is, you know, the expectations that you are putting on yourself is something that we just need to take a look at. Because oftentimes when we step into a new role, we want to be able to put our best foot forward. We want to be able to show that, you know, we can do this. We're capable. We are worthy of filling this role. We're intelligent enough. And what happens is when we get caught up in all of that, we are actually living in constant judgment of perceived expectations from other people, and it never feels good. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. Because when we come at our work in that lens or through that lens, we are setting ourselves up for a consistent feeling of just not being enough. And so one of the biggest pieces in moving into a new role and really just kind of putting on a new label of, of, you know, your identity for a little while, um, is giving yourself grace and coming from a place of curiosity instead of judgment. Because as soon as you start hearing yourself say things like, Oh, like I should be doing this, or I'm supposed to be this, or I shouldn't really be doing this. Um, that is, that is a judgmental place where you're not going to be able to really grow into your full potential and have the impact that you said that you wanted to make in the community that you're serving in this really cool STEM role that you have. So really getting honest with yourself of what do I want? How do I want to feel? How do I want my kids to feel when they come into my classroom? And let that lead. It's so easy to get caught up in the weeds of all of the how and like the stuff. And that's what really bogs us down and really moves us further, further away from our initial dreams and intentions as to why we even wanted to be in this role in the first place. Oh my gosh. I love that. If you you guys need to go back and rewind that. I wrote that down because that is so powerful. Yes. And it's really, it's the growth mindset of you as a teacher. And we've talked about that on this podcast that if you want to model this too for your students, you need to also have that grace and that growth mindset in yourself because you're not going to know everything coming into it. It's really impossible. It's a a journey. It's a whole thing. And like you said, you have to give yourself grace because there's a lot to learn. Robotics, 3D printing, all the things, all the students, all the procedures. Uh, I did not know everything coming into this role at all. And I still don't know everything. It's definitely... A journey. I love how you phrase that and having that curiosity. I think that's super, super powerful. So on top of that, so thinking about just mindset in general, how does that, why is that super important as a teacher? So we know we have to have that curiosity, but just how you said how it feeds into our classroom. So how does that just all connect together when it comes to that mindset? Well, 
your mindset is everything because it's literally the lenses in which you see the world. If you're coming in feeling frustrated and overwhelmed and totally stressed out, that is going to be not just your experience for the day, but your kids' experience in being in your classroom and in your space and in your energy. Because the truth is, you know, the kids come in and they feel your energy before you even open up your mouth. And so that all comes from your mindset as to, you know, how do I want to, how do I want to showcase myself today? And here's the thing where I think people get tripped up with mindset work. Uh, there's two two things here that I want to just address. The first thing is this toxic positivity of like, I'm feeling like crap, but I'm just going to like sprinkle some rainbows and butterflies on it and it's going to be fine because I'll just think positive and it's all going to be okay. That's ridiculous. That doesn't mm -hmm. work. And that's actually building up the stress and overwhelm. It's getting, it's getting louder because we're just trying to zhuzh it down mm -hmm. and it doesn't have any place to go. So doing that is not actually helpful. The, the fake it till you make it thing is only going to get you so far. And if you're being really honest with yourself, your kids see right through that. Mm -hmm. also. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is the way to, to navigate that is actually tapping into your body because a lot of times the mindset work falls short because we're not talking about your body. And that's where the feelings are. You, you know, your mind... The, your mind's only job or your most important job is to keep you alive. That's it, right? It doesn't care if you're happy. Your mind doesn't care if you're thriving or if you're learning or if you're making strong connections with your kids. All it cares about is that you are alive. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, great job. Like <laughs> yeah. you're like winning, right? <laughs> like, like you're good. doing it. Amazing. Um, but what happens is, is that when we start to get into these lower frequency emotions of, you know, stress and frustration and overwhelm or sometimes anger and sadness. And we just kind of stay there for a long time. Your feelings happen in your body and your thoughts happen in your mind, which means that you actually need to process some of these feelings physically and do things with your body. So this could be like going for a walk or going for a run. It could be shaking it out. It could be doing some deep breathing to get you back into a place of nervous system regulation. Because again, if your mind and your nervous system, kind of going to use them interchangeably, thinks that you are unsafe and going to die, you actually can't perform the way you want to. So we need to create that safety for your nervous system. Be like, hey, brain, I know you're looking out for me and I really appreciate this, but all I'm doing right now is teaching a new lesson. So I see you. I love you, but I got this. Mm -hmm. And then regulate physically in your body. And then that's how you can continue to move forward. So why is mindset important? You are the co-regulator in your classroom. And you are the one that your kids are going to be looking to and actually feeling to know that it's safe for them to learn. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's super high stress. We actually had a staff meeting at my school and it was um, kind of similar to what you're talking about, but just taking care of yourself, very pared down, like 20, 30 minute thing. But just really for myself, really recognizing in this STEM role, it is super high stress in its own way because kids are feeding through five minute transitions, if that and you're just always on that top stress level all day. And I can physically feel it in my body. Um, and it's like running a birthday party six times. I talk about that on here. It's like being the cool aunt. You just have to like 
get it all hyped up. You have a new group of kids. So definitely um, taking that step back, like lunch, decompressed, all of that, going on walks. I walk my little dog, Frederick, listen to other podcasts, sometimes my own before the episode airs. But you're so right because it's just like high energy all the time. And then if you just don't have a way to release it, it's going to pick back up again. You're going to burn out for sure. And I know you talk about burnout um, with all of the things you talk about. So we don't want to burn out. <laughs> no, no. And the thing is, you you want to maintain a healthy longevity in this career. And you don't want to get to the point, and we all know teachers like this who are counting the days till Friday and counting the years towards retirement because we're just, you know, we're so burnt out. And that's not a narrative that's sustainable. And that's not how we maintain a high standard of education for our kids either. They deserve better and you deserve better. But I do want to say something too, because um, of what you said about being on and like the cool aunt and the birthday party, because there's something here that's really important. Not all stress is bad stress. Yeah. Right. That's true. When you are, when you are on, right. When you are, when you are like turned on, right. Even right yeah. now, like I'm not chilling right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm having this beautiful conversation with you to, you know, really get some juicy nuggets from the two of us about really important things in education. Like yeah. that requires a certain amount of cortisol, which is a stress hormone to run through my body so I can actually show up and do the thing. And being that role, which you were just talking about and showing mm-hmm. up does require a certain amount of adrenaline. It requires mm-hmm. a certain amount of stress. Um, however, it's the um, context And the consistency and the levels and being really aware of how it feels in your body because good stress that gets you up and does things makes you feel good, right? Um, I'm a singer. Every time I get on stage and perform, that's good stress. I show up. but. I definitely need to release afterwards. Either, you know, I'm not I'm not actually a runner. <laughs> but, but I will I will dance it out, right? I will I will shake. I will do some breathing if I need to, you know, sometimes just um punch a punching bag sometimes to just get out some energy. You know, that also has to happen. Stress doesn't always have mm-hmm. to be bad or negative. Um the difference is really being cognizant of what it feels like in your body because is if it's feeling constricted, then that's the stuff that we really want to work through in a different way. Or if it's feeling expansive, mm-hmm. then that's the good stuff. And we still need to release it, but there's just a little bit of a different experience with that kind of stress. I love that explanation. I think that's really good to point that out for people and what they're feeling. So when you're in your classroom, what kind of stress are you feeling? And really recognizing that and take a step back if and then reassess. So you had great strategies of releasing it. Are there other, just in this type of role and teaching in general, just do you have any productivity tips? I can't say that word. Didn't have enough coffee today. (laughs) Uh, Productivity tips, boundaries, or even just strategies, just um, keeping that mindset, regulating the stress, any other things that you would recommend? Sure. I think we can talk about boundaries a little bit. I think especially as an encore teacher, it can be really easy to be very agreeable to everybody all the time, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, can I just like borrow the 3D printer for this one little thing that I'm doing? And you're like, yeah. uh, okay, sure. I don't want to <laughs> say no because I want to like maintain a good relationship with this teacher, right? Or like, oh, you know, can I just get those markers that, you know, mine ran out? Can I have them? And mm-hmm. so the thing is um, when that happens and it doesn't feel like a full-bodied yes, 
that's actually another source of stress. And mm. so a lot of the the pushback that people get about boundaries is like, we don't want to make anyone feel bad. We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Um, we don't want to make waves. And a lot of these also come from teachers. If you identify as a woman, like that, that is another layer to all of this mm. too. Um, we don't want to rock the boat. We want to be agreeable and nice and, you know, make sure everyone's okay. But the thing is when you are consistently putting other people's comfort before your own, that is actually something that's going to continue to perpetuate the feelings of depletion until one day you're going to be like, that's it. I've had it enough. And then we're done, you know, and then game over. So, you know, if you're really focusing on, again, who you want to be, the kind of feelings you want to feel, the kind of feelings you want to foster for your kids, Mm -hmm. that gets to be the place where the boundaries come in. Right. Because boundaries are love. Boundaries are love for you. It's self love. Boundaries are also love and an honoring of a relationship. Because when you give someone access to the 3D printer, even though you don't really want to, and you give it to them with resentment, that doesn't feel good either. And that is actually betraying not just yourself but also that relationship. And Mm -hmm. so are people going to push back when you put boundaries in place? Absolutely. Because the people who will do that benefited from you not having them in the first place. But, you know, it takes practice. And even something as simple as, you know, I I hear you that you need this thing from me and I really wish I could help. Um, However, I'm just not available to do that at this time. And if things change, I will let you know. Or um, thank you for asking me to be a part of that committee. I appreciate that you think I'm such a valuable member of our school community, um, but I'm no longer doing any after-school activities without monetary compensation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And done. And done. Yes. There isn't anything else. And because that's coming from a place of love, because if you want to continue to feel the way you want to feel, then you have to be able to navigate the world in which you live to live within those guideposts, which you set up for yourself. And, and boundaries, I don't think of as walls. I think of as doors. You know, if you can abide by the boundary, like, come on in, like, let's hang, like, it's a party. Um, but if you can't, then there's the door. And like, that's cool. But um, we don't always have to make everyone feel good all the time at the expense of ourselves. I love that so, so much. And for me, setting boundaries has been like a lifelong journey and it still is, but I even had a past episode about this. And I think sometimes as teachers, we're scared to set boundaries. And this role, especially I'm teaching all, we're teaching all the students in the school. We're interacting with all the teachers. Even my role is also um, like technology management. So on top of that, and then yes, the after school clubs and everything committees. So I think that is so important because if you're saying yes to all the things, you're saying no to other things. Um, I can't do it all. Like I wish I could and we all can't do it all. And I love that so much how you just said boundaries are love. And that's just a great, great explanation for that. It's okay to have boundaries. Absolutely. It's not a bad word. (laughs) It's a good word. It's a hard word. It's hard to say you have boundaries. Um, But I will pride myself and my team actually says I'm really good at boundaries and they watch me. So 
I yeah. mean, it's good. It's good. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be great if the conversation changed then of like, oh, wow, you know, Naomi makes really amazing boundaries. You know, let's talk about that here mm-hmm. in this safe space with our team, right? Like, yeah. how do you make boundaries? How do you, you know, what kind of boundaries are you feeling? Because part of the reason why we perceive it as being hard, it's not hard. We perceive it as being hard yeah. is because we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the skill set to actually articulate our needs, let alone, and this is like a whole nother episode of the podcast, but you know, <laughs> let alone even come to terms with being able to want something and desire mm-hmm. something and use our voice to express the things that we need because we're givers, right? And givers are selfless and shouldn't need anything. So, you know, that is a whole nother layer to all of this too. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that perpetuates it is the silence around it. And by continuing mm-hmm. to tell the story of like boundaries are hard, mm-hmm. they're not. We perceive them as being hard, yeah. which is a whole nother way of looking at them because now we provide an opportunity for growth. Well, that's why I think this whole conversation is so important because like it isn't talked about. And I think some people probably even saw the title of this or Hmm, that doesn't seem like it's STEM related, but it is. It's all the cohesive thing. Just as a teacher, you have yourself to take care of. You have the lesson. It all goes together. And so this does fit in. It does have a place for what we have in this role, 100%. And if you don't think you have boundaries, well, maybe you need to set some up. So it's a good. It's good. It's like you have permission to set this up. Listening to that listen to Jen, listen to her podcast. She even gives even more. I know you go more into detail about all of this on your podcast as well. But um, I know that we could definitely talk all night. We'll have to do another episode. (laughs) Yes. Yes. There's so much to talk about. And you know, you're right. Like this isn't um, just about any specific role as a teacher, but you know, the thing is for, for those of you who are stepping into this role as a STEM teacher, as a STEM educator, in order for you to do that well, you have to do this well. Mm-hmm. You, you can't show up the way that you want to. And I know I, I've alluded to this this whole time, but what you're doing in your school communities is huge. You're providing mm-hmm. them with a gift of of beautiful opportunity for them to see a world that doesn't yet exist. Mm-hmm. That is tremendous. And in order to really, again, make that impact – you have to take a look in the mirror and take care of yourself first. Yep. Oh, you gave me chills. You gave me chills. Like, yes, this is why, this is why we're here. I love that. I, my hair's, I shaved my arms, but the hair that I have is standing up right now. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time so much, Jen. And if you wouldn't mind sharing where uh, teachers can find you, also the name of your book. I don't think I caught the name of your book, but I'm sure they might want to go buy that as well. But where they can find you and all the things. Sure. Well, the easiest way is to go to my website at empowerededucator.com. If you head over to the resources page, there are tons of free resources there for you. Um, hop on my mailing list because you'll be able to find all of the new content that's available. Um, I show up a lot in my Facebook group and that's Empowered Educator Faculty Room. And the other place, like you mentioned, is my podcast, which is called Take Notes with Jen Rafferty, which is really about how to human as a mm-hmm. teacher, right? Good. Um, and then uh, as you asked, the the title of the book is A Place in the Staff, Finding Your Way as a Music Teacher. Mm. And you can find that on Amazon. 
Awesome. But I think you guys could all read it. Based on how the way you talk about things, I bet we would definitely benefit from that as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You, yeah, you really just replace the word music with STEM and you're, mm-hmm. you're good to go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again. I appreciate your time. And I know that a lot of our listeners are going to go out and find you. Thank you so much again. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Naomi Meredith underscore or send me an email to elementarystemcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out my website, naomimeredith.com to see all the show notes from today's episode and shop my K-5 STEM resources. Any questions you have, needs for resources, or ideas for episodes, get in touch. I'll talk to you soon.